Welcome to 2024, and as we begin this new year, uh, I thought it would be good to go to God's Word, to the book of Romans, that speaks into a culture that has drifted away from what God intended it to be. Paul was eager and ready to preach the gospel, and so he did that to the Roman people, but in the midst of it all, he gave them some warnings of what happens in a culture when it moves away from God, how it takes a downward spiral along that path until eventually God has no choice but to bring judgment. I believe the book of Romans speaks to us today. So I hope you'll enjoy it as we dig in with these podcasts. Take your Bible tonight and turn with me to the book of Romans, to Romans chapter 1. And there are uh, at least four times in God's Word where a statement is made the just shall live by faith. We won't look at one of them tonight. It's found in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, over in the book of Habakkuk. It's the first time the statement is made, the just shall live by faith. It's made in Romans. It's made in Galatians. It's made in Hebrews. And somebody has said in Romans, it tells us who the just is. The entire book of Romans tells us what it means to be just before God. And in Galatians, it tells us how we ought to live as just people, And then in Hebrews, it talks about faith. So the just shall live by faith. Well, tonight, I want us to look at this. I want to talk about because it's a very, very important text of Scripture. Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, we looked at it this morning, reading again right now. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as in me is... I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This is a historical verse, not just a great doctrinal verse a great theological verse, but God used this particular verse of Scripture uh, about 500 years ago in a mighty way in the life of man, Martin Luther. Here's a little bit of history. Dr. Donald J. Barnhouse wrote, Christ has never changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Men have wondered from Him. In fact, during the centuries following the fall of the Roman Empire, most all the church wandered off into the darkness of the medieval years. And it was rare to find anyone believing in the simplicity of the truth. Here and there were single souls who followed the straight road of truth. Here and there were little groups which did not follow the blind leaders of the blind, but walked in the clear light of divine revelation. But he said it was little. Many of the fathers of the church were solidly in the path of justification by faith apart from the works of the law, there is Augustine, uh, or Augustine, pronounce it one way or other, he's not around, so he wouldn't know the difference. Uh, There was Augustine cleaving to the straight path, occasionally walking on the shoulder of the highway or even going a few steps out of the way while never swerving from the fixed direction. Savonarola, Peter Waldo and his followers, the Waldensians, the Albigensians, Tyndall, Wycliffe, and John Huss, the morning star of the Reformation. Then at a moment, 
when much of the church was in a terrible morass, wandering about in desperation, Luther came and led a vast company back to the highway. He may have carried a little wilderness baggage with him, but our text planted him solidly on the great highway of revealed truth. Dr. Paul Luther, the reformer's youngest son, wrote these words, and Barnhouse quoted him. In the year 1544, my dearest father, in the presence of us all, narrated the whole story of his journey to Rome. He acknowledged with great joy that in that city, through the Spirit of Jesus Christ, he had come to the knowledge of the truth of the everlasting gospel. And the reformer's son continues the story. In the city of Rome, there is a cathedral church, St. John of Lateran. In it is a famous staircase built in three sections. Or rather, there is an ancient staircase with two parallel staircases, one on either side. People walk up the staircase to the left and to the right. But on the one in the center, people climb painfully on their knees step-by-step, reciting prayers as they go. On two or three of the stairs, there is a covering of plate glass through which can be seen red stains. At these steps, the anguished pilgrims stoop and kiss the glass over the stains. A late tradition says that the middle staircase came from Pilate's Hall in Jerusalem and that these stains are from the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It should go without saying that archaeology and architecture would never accept that claim to be true. So Luther is climbing on his knees when our text comes to his mind. He's been reading Romans, obviously. The just shall live by faith. This was a moment of reformation in Martin Luther's heart. He went back to Wittenberg, took this as his chief foundation of his doctrine, the just shall live by faith. Now you say, Brother Mike, that's an old story and that's kind of far-fetched. It's not real far-fetched in the fact that uh, those of us that have been to Jerusalem and we've been in uh, a couple churches in the Middle East, you can go to the church of the Holy Nativity and you can see something that looks like this. You walk in and there's baubles, bangles, and beads that are hanging everywhere from the ceiling. And the burning of incense just takes you over. By the way, when you walk into that building, the door is just about this tall. And so you have to, well, some of you wouldn't have to, but some of us have to stoop to go in through that door and go in there. And then there's a marble all the way across the floor, and then the big marble columns that are ancient going back. It's the oldest church uh, in the world. And so you make your way into the Church of the Holy Nativity, and then you you stand in line so you can go down some steps that are like, if this is the pulpit area, we got a bunch of steps with a cave down under this thing. So you make your way down a real steep set of steps and down there in the bottom, down there in the, we would call it the cellar almost, uh, there's a place uh, where they put a 12-pointed star, a silver star, and in that, and then there's a little opening there about that big And that's where they say that Jesus was born. And then off here to the side, uh, maybe eight or ten feet, there is another kind of a crutch area, all of this in stone, not an Americanized Christmas scene. There's kind of a crutched area there where they took Jesus and then they laid him over there. That's where the manger sat. So he's born up here underneath, back in this 
pole. Now, the reason I say this idea of people climbing up steps on their knees and stopping to pray at different spots and then bowing down and kissing the, the plate glass where supposedly the blood of Jesus is under the plate glass is that you can go there today and you can watch people crawl all the way back up underneath that in that little hole there in the wall to that silver star and kiss that silver star. Hello, this is Monty Schenkel, and we sure appreciate you listening to this podcast. This is a new effort on our part from Take Heart Ministry. A little over a year ago, we began Take Heart Ministry with the intention of telling people by means of radio and also the internet and now by podcast that they can take heart because Jesus cares for them. If you'd like to know more about us, if you'd like to check our ministry out, you can go to takeheart.org. If you would like to personally contact me, you can write to Monty Schinkel or you can write to mschinkel at takeheart.org. Thank you for listening, and now back to the podcast. And then you can go into Jerusalem, and you can go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And so you go in the monster of a building, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and up the right, you can go up the steps, steep, 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 steep steps, until you come to a place where uh, they say that the cross stood. Then you come down those steps, and now all this is inside, and you come down those steps, and there is a big stone, I don't know, piece of marble or whatever that's laying out there, about the size of a casket, maybe a little bit bigger, and that is supposedly where Jesus was laid when he came down off the cross. He was laid on that stone. And so I have watched folks as they would get down on their knees and they'd take a cloth that they'd brought with them and they'd wipe it. That stone has been worn smooth over the centuries of people wiping that stone with their cloth, trying to get some little uh, semblance of the DNA or something of the blood of Jesus that somehow there's been left behind. And sometimes it's just sent honestly, shivers through my bones to think that people would be more wrapped up in worshiping at a stone, getting a little bit of the blood, uh, kissing an, a, a, a relic which is little more than an idol at a location which nobody really knows for sure where all this happened, but, but saying, oh, the blood of Jesus was there, and I need this blood. Well, we need the blood, but I'm here to tell you tonight, the just shall not live by kissing a rock. The just shall not live by climbing up steps as Martin Luther discovered. The just shall not live by going to, on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. The just shall not live by any of the works of righteousness we could do. The Bible clearly makes it so, so plain, the just shall live by faith. And I want us tonight to take these this six words and take them apart. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So let's start with the just. Who are the people referred to as the just? To be just, according to God's Word, by definition, is to be declared righteous. We were not just, but we are. How'd that happen? We, we didn't uh, get our righteousness because we deserved it. Neither did we get our righteousness because we earned it. We became righteous because God declared us so on the merits of His Son, Jesus. Jesus Christ 
is our righteousness. And the just shall live by faith. It is never deserved because of our sin. And for the next three chapters in the book of Romans, Paul just relentlessly pounds out, we don't deserve it, we never deserved it. And uh, Romans chapter 1, oh, we're going to get to this in just a couple weeks. I'm telling you, it is a tough passage of Scripture. When you read the last several verses of Romans 1, it is an indictment upon our society and on our world today. And what he winds up by saying is that all the heathen of the world are condemned. And then we hit Romans chapter 2. And this is what he says, all the hypocrites of the world are condemned. And then he comes to Romans chapter 3, and he says, all the Hebrews of the world are condemned. And then at the end of Romans chapter 3, it begins to tell us there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I could say not only are all the heathen in the world condemned, and not only are all the hypocrites of the world condemned, and not only all the Hebrews in the world condemned, all the humans of the world are condemned because we're all unrighteous. Not one of us. You say, well, I could, I have somehow, I deserve, I deserve my relationship with the Lord. I deserve my justification from the Lord. Nuh-uh, uh-uh, not so. None of us deserve it. And not only do none of us deserve it, none of us earn it. I look at uh, Romans 1, these verses. I look at Romans 2, these verses. I look at Romans 3, these verses. And then I come to Romans chapter 4, and the Bible says that this concerning Abraham. Abraham was not justified by works. If he had, he would have gloried in it. The Bible says in verse 3, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So what does that mean? Abraham's righteousness was not deserved and it was not earned, it was by faith. It is an amazing thing. And the old uh, preacher Christmas Evans said, you can take a man and you can put him in a barrel and you can seal up the barrel and you can shout through the bunghole, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that man can be saved. Now you can't do a lot of righteousness in a barrel, I don't think. Uh, you can't do a lot of righteousness in a barrel. You can't do any good works in a barrel. You're sealed up in a tomb, so to speak. But if you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be made righteous by the work that Jesus does. And that's what it means to be justified. We're saved like Abraham was. We're saved like David was. We're saved, as Galatians 2.16 says, by the works of the law shall no man be justified. But it is by believing. So we enter this justification by faith. The just, now the second thing, shall live. If it is by faith that we are born in the kingdom, then it's by faith that we live in the kingdom. And so you come to this thing, there's always somebody that says, well, you know what, I know I'm justified by faith, but I'm afraid I'm going to lose my salvation. Well, if you are saved by faith, then what keeps you? What keeps you? The just shall live by faith. We enter our life by faith. You can't keep yourself saved by effort. You can't keep yourself saved by emotion. But when we look at God's Word, there is a real contrast between what it looks like to live a life of faith and a life in the flesh. For instance, flesh is a life of trying. 
I'm just going to do my best. Well, do your best, but do it by faith. Flesh is a life of trying. Faith is a life of trusting. The flesh is a life of self, what I want, what I desire. But faith is a life of the Spirit. What does God have for me? The just shall live by faith. The flesh means condemnation because that's all it can ever get us. Faith means justification because that's what Christ wants to give us. Flesh sees always that which is visible, but it takes faith to see that which is invisible. As a matter of fact, the book of Hebrews says that's exactly what we can do, see that which is invisible. Whoa! See that which is invisible. Flesh rests upon feelings. Faith rests upon fact. Flesh means planning. Faith means plodding. Just like we talked about William Carey this morning. He could speak six languages, never considered himself a genius, just considered himself a plotter. Just keeping going. The flesh means staggering. But the Bible tells us concerning Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God. Faith means standing. Flesh puts a new suit of clothes on a man, but faith puts a new man in a suit of clothes. It's a change that happens in our life. The just shall not live by effort. The just shall not live by energy. The just shall not live by talent. The just shall not live by feelings. Any of these, and if that's what our, our whole Christian walk was based on, any of these we just throw in the towel. Because there's days when efforts just don't get the job done. There's days when energy will not get the job done. There's days when talent is not nearly enough. And there's days when feelings just go away like a sailboat just passes away. But that's not the realm in which God intended for the Christian to live life. The just shall live not by effort, not by energy, not by talent, not by feelings. The just shall live by faith. So I can say this, I am to, I enter the Christian life by faith. I enjoy the Christian life by faith, and I enlarge my Christian life by faith. The just shall live by faith. That brings us to the third point. The just shall live by faith. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4 that he, he, being Abraham, believed God, and it was imputed unto him, was counted to him for righteousness. In verse 6, even as David also described the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputed righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are covered and whose sins are or whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. How do you get to that place? It is simply this. It is by faith. Faith is stretching out on God in this context. That's what, exactly what Abraham did. And God had called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. He came a little way, but he didn't come all the way, and God had to come back and get him and bring him the rest of the way. And God took Abraham on paths that Abraham could never possibly imagine. And every time that Abraham began to try to plan everything out on his own, Abraham got in trouble, didn't he? I mean, when you come up with a plan, and it's not God's plan that he's given you, it's your plan to figure it out. And even when his wife got in the mix and she helped figure things out too and Sarah got involved, she messed things up too. 
They're still fighting about it. We're all still fighting about it. It's because when you step away out of the field of faith, and you step away, you begin to do your own calculations. And this is what Abraham learned concerning faith. The Bible says in verse chapter 4, verse 1, What shall we say then, Abraham our father? Say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. In other words, what has Abraham learned concerning faith? Living the life by faith. Well, there's three things he learned. Number one, he learned that you become a bolder man when you have faith. A bolder man, a bolder woman. We know that this great man of God uh, is known as the father of the faithful. But when I look at the one glaring spot in his life where he messed up, it was when he took his eyes off God and tried to solve the thing himself. But when he trusted the Lord, God got him through. At a time when he was really under pressure, and he had this beautiful wife, Sarah, and they said, she sure is pretty. He said, yeah, I've, I've got a pretty sister, don't I? And he said, she's my sister. Well, she was his half-sister, but she was his wife, and so he lied and said, she is my sister. Here's a man that is very timid and seems to be very weak, this man who is called the father of our, of our faithful, of the faithful. But then I see him later on in life when God uh, is telling him and, and Sarah that they're going to have a child, and that's enough to wrestle with, but then God says, do I hide from Abraham this thing which I'm getting ready to do in that I'm going to straighten everything out down in the, in the plain along the Dead Sea? I'm going down to Sodom. I'm going down to Gomorrah because their cry has come up to me and their unrighteousness has come up to me, and I'm going down to clean that whole thing up. Should I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? You know, in that moment of prayer, I don't see any uh, timidity, uh, timidity, that's a word, timidness. He didn't get timid at a time like that. He began to say, Lord, what about, what about 50? What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? What if there are that many righteous people in that city? Will you destroy the whole city when you've got that many righteous people? Here's a man that was bold. And it was the just shall live by faith. Faith makes us bolder. When we've learned that we can trust God, when we put on the whole armor of God, we take the shield of faith by which we quits the fiery arrows that come from the enemy. It makes us bolder when we go into the battle. If at Kadesh Barnea, the children of Israel had had the faith they should have had, they'd have crossed Jordan a whole lot sooner and wouldn't have wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. He was a bolder man, Abraham was, because of his faith. He was a bigger man because of his faith. The Bible says in verse 18, who against, chapter 4, verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He became a bigger man. Against hope he believed that he might become the father of many nations. He staggered not. God would make him the father of many people. The book of Hebrews reminds us that he went out not knowing where he went. He left Ur behind to go to a place that God would show him, and in the process he learned what it was to live by faith. And God says, therefore he is a bolder man, therefore he is a bigger man, and then lastly he was a better man because the just shall live by faith. All of this is just a reminder to us. When we believe, we live a bigger life and a bolder life in a better life, when it is always something that we have to determine that 
Yeah, we can do this. This is always the danger of a business meeting, folks. When we say, well, we, we, we're going to calculate, we're going to figure everything out how we can do this. And so sometimes we lack that boldness. Sometimes we lack that, that uh, bigness of following the Lord. And so often we're not praying for anything but what we can figure out a way to do it ourselves. When the Bible tells us the just shall live by faith, all of this is a reminder to, that, to us of that. And the story that I've told often of John Payton in the New Hebrides trying to find a way to translate the word for faith or believe or trust. And so finally, while he's out hunting with some of the natives of those islands, they, uh, they use a word that says, let's go over here and stretch ourselves out under the shade. And he's, that word just struck his heart because it was the word that he was looking for. It was a word that said, stretch yourself out. Well, what does it mean? The just shall live by faith. It means that we have cast ourselves totally upon the Lord, stretched ourselves out. And I've seen it happen with, with Jonathan and Ross. And Ross is up in the loft of the barn, and Jonathan's standing down below. And Jonathan said, jump, and Ross sails out. We only needed one invitation. You better be ready to catch him. And you've done it yourself with your own kids in the swimming pool. And it's like, jump, and Daddy will catch you. Jump, and Mommy will catch you. They jump because they have absolute faith that you're not going to let them down. Now, I'm going to tell you, as much as moms and dads ought to always catch their kids, there is a God that will not let us down. Now, He might let us get wet. He might let us go through the fire, but He will not leave us and He will not forsake us because this is what we learn. If Abraham learned it and David learned it and Moses learned it, then we should learn it too Then in our daily walk with the Lord. And Martin Luther learned this very thing. If I'm going to be just with God, I'm going to be just because of faith. If I'm going to live a life that honors God, I'm going to live a life like that because of faith. The just shall live by faith. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. We appreciate you tuning in. We pray that this has been a blessing to you. And I pray that today you in your own heart can take heart because you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And Jesus came to be the Savior of all who would call upon Him. And if today you've never trusted in Him, I encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me and save me. And God's Word says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Our purpose in all of this is to encourage you to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to take heart in Jesus. He cares for you.